in June of 2015, a remote little quiet town in Oklahoma awakens in the middle of the night to chaos ensuing. Ambulances, fire trucks, news media. In the quiet little neighborhood, a family of nine has been slaughtered brutally. Well, all except for two members of the family. Everyone was shocked. Is this a picture-perfect family? Or is this a family where something darker lies? I'm Amanda, and you're listening to The Pandemonium Podcast. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to The Pandemonium Podcast. Today's a really cool, um, well, cool for me, uh, episode because I have my teenage daughter here with me. Hello, everyone. Hello. My name's Austin, and she wanted to help me out with this today, so I thought, why not? (laughs) So, um, Austin kind of likes true crime, but she's still, like, young enough to, um, be afraid of it a little bit. As long as it's not goosebumps like Slappy is. Yeah. I'll be fine. Slappy's pretty creepy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she likes true crime stuff, but again, like I said, she's still young, so she doesn't um, dig as deep into it as I do for the podcast, but she wanted to try it out today, so we're here. You ready, Asti? Yep. Okay. So, today's episode is called The Family Annihilators, The Bever Family Murders, and this occurred in 2015. And so, Daniel and April Bevers lived in a small suburb of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, which is not that far from us. No, (laughs) only like a couple hour drive. Yeah. And um, this was in 2015. And the family lived at a house on 709 Magnolia Court in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And the neighbors said that um, the neighbors that lived across the street at the time of this crime, um, they said, you know, like when people say like, oh, it was so safe. You didn't have to lock your doors. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe in such a thing because there's no there's no place that safe. Could you imagine being a neighbor and there's like a murderer just living right next to you? No, and you had no idea who it was? Yeah, that's pretty creepy. Yeah. What if it was like a serial killer? Like Jeffrey Dahmer? Oh, yeah. Imagine being his neighbors. Didn't one of his neighbors freak out? Yeah. Yeah. I think she's the one that called the police. Hmm. But yeah, that would be pretty sketch. Um, so yeah, that one of those neighborhoods where you didn't have to lock your doors and, um, personally, I don't really believe in such a thing. Uh, they had seven children and they were all homeschooled. That's a little sketchy. (laughs) Why is that sketchy? Because that sounds like a cult. Mm -hmm. I think they're just, um, super religious. Which can also kind of give off a cultish vibe, I guess. Yeah. You know, Andy was homeschooled. With seven kids? Since Amanda's wife, uh, husband. Well, yeah. Yeah, he had, eight, he had eight siblings. So, yeah, they had seven children, and um, 
they were rumored to have kept the kids a bit sheltered because it was really religious. Um, like, sometimes it can, I, I get what you're saying when you say it's like cult-like because sometimes it can get to the point where it's, uh, it come across as like, it comes across as really radical. Like the religion is so like, they're so they're so like steadfast in their faith that they it, it can almost I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so a total there's nine of them, including the parents, living under one roof, seven kids, and their parents didn't let them mingle with neighbors or friends. They were very sheltered. Um, dad worked and mom stayed home and taught school to the kids. That sounds like like a cult movie. <laughs> Oh like God. one of those movies. <laughs> Could you imagine me homeschooling you? I would not. No. <laughs> no. I like public school. <laughs> I'd rather do that. No, thanks. The seven siblings go from the oldest one's 18-year-old Robert, then 16-year-old Michael, 13-year-old Crystal, 12-year-old Daniel, 6-year-old Chris, 5-year-old Victoria, and an infant baby girl that was like 20 months old. Her name was Baby Autumn. I'll call her Autumn. Um, since the the two oldest boys, Robert and Michael, uh, they were pretty close. Uh, they like to make YouTube videos. Um, I kind of watched one of them, and it was nothing out of the normal. Uh, they were so sheltered that the internet was really their only window to the outside world. Um they would like make like how to videos. Like I think he made a how how to make a faux hawk video. Um, I don't <laughs> even know what a faux hawk is. It's like a hairstyle. It's like a fake mohawk. Um, like it's like when they do their hair like this, but they it's not a complete mohawk. Oh, okay. That's okay. It was like a two thousands thing, <laughs> <laughs> and uh. So they would just make like funny or quirky videos and like skits. The two oldest ones, like watching one of them, like or watching one of the videos, I was like, okay, they're just kind of strange because they're they're homeschooled. But so let's fast forward to the night of July twenty second, twenty fifteen. The neighbors awoke to chaos with police and ambulances swarming. The house across the street, which is where the Bever family lived, and uh, news swirling of a possible home invasion because the whole family was murdered. Like all kids, all parents? Mm-hmm. All kids except two. Oh? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's the two oldest. <laughs> I think so. You might be right. <laughs> You're using your context clues. My context clues. <laughs> <laughs> I said earlier that um, the family was, like, super sheltered. And, like, that made other people, like, the neighbors said that they were, like, suspicious of the family because they were, like, super reclusive, but not to the point where, like, they thought the family was bad. It's like, when these when these rumors and, like, you know, they awake into all this chaos going on, the police, the ambulances, like in the news of a, the family's been murdered in a home invasion, um, they uh, they didn't even know their the neighbors' names until the media released them. That's how sheltered they was. So like you know we know our neighbors' names, but like imagine not knowing their name until like something 
horrible happens. Yeah. So the, the rumor is that the whole family had been slaughtered in a home invasion, but all, all but two members of the family, Robert and Michael Bevers. So the two oldest. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like they had something to do with it. I think so. I think you're right. Because in all those true crime documentaries I've watched with you, it's always been two boys or a girl and her boyfriend plotting to kill their families. <laughs> Do you want to get into their crimes? Yes. All right. Yeah. Um, okay, so at around 11.30 that night, uh, Robert and Michael were in, in their room, like, watching videos, and they called their sister Crystal in there. She's 13. And... Uh, to look at something and uh, I'm sorry she walked in there she walked into their room at about 11 30 that night to ask them to do the dishes because her mom was like hey go tell the boys to come in here so they can do the dishes and then she recalls seeing them put on body armor and said that they had multiple knives laid out on their beds and Crystal says that she heard Michael ask his brother should we do it right now and Robert said, yes. And then Michael told Crystal, like, hey, come look at this skit I did on my computer screen. And when she leaned over, um, Michael distracted her and Robert slit Crystal's throat. That's your sister. Like, I know. crazy. Me and my brother fight, but, like, we would never do something <laughs> like that. I know you wouldn't. Um, she fought back, and they they stabbed her a couple more times. Um, she's able to make it out the front door, but she's dragged back inside by one of the boys. She doesn't she she survived this crime, but she doesn't remember like as she was leaving. She's been so badly injured that she doesn't she doesn't remember who dragged her back in the house because she's been traumatized so much. Like she's been stabbed to death and she's making it out the door and she pulls back inside. She's pulled back inside by one of the boys and uh, they just leave her inside the entry hallway. And uh, she ends up surviving because she's playing dead. So she tries to escape, but okay, basically she she tries to run out the door. She's dragged back inside, but they don't kill her. Because she played dead. Yes. Oh, okay. Smart move. Yes. Um, but she recalls hearing her mother screaming as Michael and Robert stabbed their mother April 48 times in the face, chest, abdomen, neck, and arms. That's dun, crazy. Dun, dun, dun. That is pretty crazy. And then at about this time, a 911 call was made by Daniel, the 12-year-old brother. Um, he was hiding in his father's office, and he didn't know that it was his two older brothers. He just thought he just heard screaming and thought the family was being attacked. So he's hiding in the dad's office, and he he calls 911, and Michael Michael tricked him and was like. Daniel, please open the door. Like, someone's out here trying to kill us. And so Daniel opens the door for his big brother. And uh, yeah, you can actually hear it on the 911 call. 
And then he tells his brother, Michael, no, don't. And then the phone hangs up. And then that's when he stabs Daniel and kills him. He stabs him 21 times. All of this is with knives? Mm-hmm. The other kids should just be running. Yeah. There's enough of them to get out there. I'm sure they're scared. They don't realize it's their brother. Like I said, he thought he was trapped inside the room and uh, he didn't know it was his brother calling him, killing everyone. You feel me? Or is this? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So next, Crystal, Christopher 7 and Victoria 5 had been hiding from their brothers in a separate room. Um, Michael tricks them the same way he did Daniel. He tells them Robert's the one that's going, he's like, Robert's going crazy and let me in so I can protect you. And then they open the door for their brother. And uh, once they open the door, they were both stabbed to death. Christopher was stabbed 21 times in the back, chest, head, and neck. And Victoria endures 23 stab wounds, ranging from her abdomen to her face. So sad. They're just small children. So the father comes out. His name's David, and he comes out to investigate what the commotion was. And this is late. This is late at night. It was like around 1130. And the two boys attack their father and overpower him, and they stab him 28 times. Oh, my gosh. So at this time, the 911 call has been placed by... The younger brother that was already murdered the one that they tricked so police arrive at the house and they found blood on the front porch and they could um faintly hear someone calling for help and that was crystal the one that they dragged back inside the one that played dead and they entered the the house and found five members of the family dead but there was also another survivor the baby who was sleeping upstairs. Baby Autumn in her crib. Which is a miracle because later on they admitted that they had plans to kill baby Autumn as well. But because the police showed up, they fled. Oh my, that would be traumatizing. <laughs> I think so. I think so too. Um, in the home, the police found knives, hatchets, and protective gear. Do you know what a hatchet is? Yeah, sort of. It's like an axe, yeah. I think. Yeah. A small axe or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert and Michael were not in the home when the police arrived because they attempted to flee into a wooded area behind their home. They ran out the back door, down the alley, into the woods near a playground that was behind their house. And... Uh, Police searched the area with canines, and the boys were found fairly quickly. I think one of them was hiding in the bush, and the uh, the canine, the police canine, latched onto him and dragged him out. That's why I like dogs. I like <laughs> I like dogs. I like dogs. They're so smart. Animals yeah. are so smart. They really are. Um. So the boys are both arrested and charged with five counts of first degree murder. And uh, no bail was given. Do you know what bail is? Yeah, like something that can help you get out of jail. Yeah. It's like an amount of money you pay to get released while you wait for your 
pending court trials. Um, one of the brothers, I think it was Robert, was covered in bloody body armor. So, uh, they, the brothers wanted to kill their, admitted to police that they wanted to kill their family and go on a cross-country killing spree. Their plan was to kill each member of their family silently and stealthily, which seems to have been a bit of a fail because, you know, it wasn't. It caused chaos when he started stabbing his sister, you know? Yeah. So, um, after the murders, oh, this is going to be, I don't know if I should tell you this because I think it's going to scare you. It's fine. Okay. So, Robert Bever told the court that he had planned to decapitate baby Autumn, but had forgotten to because the police started invading the house. That's just wrong. Mm hmm. Ooh. I know. <laughs> and just to think, this was all like eight years ago. I know, 2015. Not that long ago and not that far. Do you want to see a picture of what they look like? Yeah. Yeah, let me Google. How we look like creeps. <laughs> Austin. It, it, it's true. Uh. <laughs> That's creepy. They do be looking a little creepy. Yeah. And that's their family on the, on this photo. That's all the kids. Oh my goodness. Together. Yeah. Did they blur out Crystal's face? I think so. Um, yeah, probably. So after they murdered their family, their plan was to clean up and dispose of the bodies. And according to Broken Bow detectives, they were going to dismember the bodies. Like decapitate and stuff? Dismember means to like cut up. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a little nasty. <laughs> they cut up the bodies. They would store the body parts in bins and place them in the attic. And this was, um, and then they were going to go on a killing spree to outdo the 1999 Columbine shooting, which it was like the school shootings, those school yeah, shootings. the big school shooting. Yeah, the one that kind of so, kick-started it all. So they were trying to, like, make their murders bigger than Columbine? Mm-hmm. That was their plan to kill their family and then go on a cross country killing spree so they could outdo the Columbine shooting. Mm. And they had ordered multiple guns to be delivered to their house. What? How did they do that? <laughs> they ordered guns, but then you killed your family and fled. So you wouldn't even get the guns because police would be swarming the house. Well, no, they had them. They had them ordered and delivered to the house, but they didn't. You're right. They didn't kill their family. They, I mean, they didn't shoot their family. They were going to use them for their cross-country murder spree. Why would you just want to hurt someone? That's a good question. Why would you? 
you can be mad at them, but to kill them over something like that, like we don't even know why they killed them. Not yet. Oh yeah. But we'll get there. But yeah, I just thought that was weird that they were able to order guns to the house and like nobody noticed. That's a little sketchy. Like, don't you need a license and stuff? Even then. You don't have to have a license to get a or to get a gun. You just have to be eighteen. Well, that can explain a lot of stuff. Yeah, that explains a lot of stuff. You're right, baby. <laughs> so, um, it came to light that the boys went on this rampage because their father and mother might have been abusive towards them. And the 13-year-old girl, Crystal, that survives... She backs this statement in court and said that her father was really hateful and abusive and claimed that um, both of the parents were really, like, kind of hateful towards the children. And um, they would use, this kind of circles back to your, like, oh, that sounds like a cult. Mm -hmm. Um, They would use, uh, the parents would use, biblical biblical terms at for as retribution for everything they hated in the world so what that means is like when they would get mad at the siblings the parents would use like the bible and stuff from the bible to like punish them does that make sense yeah they're the ones who wanted all those kids and had all those kids Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm So they said that's why it's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not um, saying, giving them credit for what they did at all, but that could be why they, obviously there was something not right there, but that could have been a motive. Um, The boys were uh, interrogated separately. Um, Michael throws his under, his older brother under the, under the bus first and then kept changing his story. It, it was almost like the two were in like some strange competition about who killed who. Like he threw his brother under the bus and then the brother was like, yeah, I'll take credit for all the killings. And then the other brother like found out he said that. And he was like, well, no, I killed some people too. Like almost like he didn't want his brother to take all the credit for the crimes that he had done. Strange, huh? That's very strange. That's nothing to be proud of. It's not. It's not. It's not. So they had a hearing date about a year later, February 23rd, 2016. The oldest one, Robert, um, he originally pled not guilty and then changed his mind and pled guilty on all charges. Um, probably for some sort of like a plea deal. Yeah, plea deal. Uh, the judge sentenced him to life and Uh, to serve life without parole for each of the five murder counts. He got an additional life sentence. So he got a life sentence for everyone that he killed. So he's not going to make it out of jail. Uh, So he probably took that plea deal to save his own life. So Michael entered a plea deal of not guilty and appealed the court's decision to put him on trial as an adult because he was only 16 
at the time of the murder. Uh, so uh, the court denied both motions and he was also found guilty on five counts of murder. And they are serving their time in two separate prisons. And Michael is currently serving time at Lexington Correctional Center. And Robert is currently serving time in the Joseph Harp Correctional Center. Um, Robert's the like mastermind. He's the oldest one to this. He's, I, I have a feeling that he's probably the one that planned it all. Um, while in jail, he got his hands tattooed saying LWOP, life without parole times five. And on the other hand, it spells out five. They have all tattoo guns in there? No, they don't. People get them. They don't allow tattoo guns in prison, but people, people figure out a way to make them. On June 17th, Robert attempted to commit suicide with, in his jail cell with the bell a bed sheet, but he was, he, un, he didn't succeed. And then, uh, both surviving sisters, baby Autumn and Crystal were adopted by the same family. So they get to grow up together. And uh, I guess it's a good, I mean, Crystal will remember it, but baby Autumn probably won't. She was so young. And in 2017, the city of Broken Arrow raised money through the Tulsa Community Foundation for the uh, the acquisition of the the Bever family home. So, which means they to gain rights to the home because they wanted to uh, tear it down, and they did that. They they tore down the home due to the horrific crime that happened there and built a memorial in its place. Mm, that's good. Mm -hmm. Don't they tear down a lot of crime places? I guess it depends. I don't know. That's all I got. Questions? Comments? Mm, that's crazy. Yeah. Wild. So, I hope you guys enjoyed our my special episode with my daughter, Asti. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. And uh, happy New Year's, and we look forward to putting out some more episodes soon. You can find us on Instagram.com slash The Pandemonium Podcast or Spotify.com slash The Pandemonium Podcast. Bye. Bye.